Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, welcome in on a Monday morning. That was a lot of football. That was a ton of football. And good news, we learned something. We're midway through the season, and a few things we really, really nailed down. Number one, the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs, are much better than the Jets. I don't think most of you figured out the first seven weeks. But they played head-to-head. The Chiefs blew out the Jets, and now you know for sure. Here's another thing we learned. When your quarterback turns the ball over four times, you have a good chance of losing the game. We're looking at you, Rams, Jared Goff, Miami. You know, the rookie quarterback making his debut is the one who should have coughed the ball up, and he did, to be fair. But to be clear, he didn't cough it up four times. Two, it wasn't perfect. Two had turnovers. Two also threw, you know, touchdown pass, zipped it in there and all that. And Miami won because he got a special team score and a defensive score to blow the game open. And Jared Goff turned the ball over four times. A couple of picks, a couple of fumbles, that wrecked that. And it's not a fluke because Lamar Jackson fumbled three times, lost two of them, threw two picks, including a pick six to open the scoring for the Steelers. And the Steelers won a game 28-24. Quite frankly, I'm not sure they should have won. But they're still undefeated. They find ways to win, and they win again, and they beat the Ravens, and they're two games clear in their division. Two games in front of the Ravens in the last column, three in front of Cleveland, because the Raider defense went and won a game in Cleveland. That was, that was good for them. Good for them. Uh, other things, uh, the Chargers just keep blowing enormous leads. Denver's 3-4. and four. Honestly, I, I don't know how they pulled that off. Uh, you wouldn't know it by looking at the final score, 37-27, but I actually thought Seattle's defense was better. Now, they gave up a lot of points and yards late in the game, you know, but, hey, keep the game in front of you, blah, blah, blah. We got a big lead. They had the Niners at seven points going to the fourth quarter, and the Niners, you know, they made it look better, but they weren't going to win the game. They, they couldn't get closer than 10 points, so. We'll have to see going forward, but it looks like maybe, maybe Seattle's defense is fine in something. And I do think that's underrated. I think NFL teams, you got 16 games to work stuff out and improve, qualify for the playoffs, continue to get better. <clears throat> you know, the, the Seahawks just made the, uh, the trade with the Bengals to improve their pass rush. And you keep tweaking things, you keep finding what works and what doesn't and who can get better. And you got to coach guys up even at the pro level. It's a hard salary cap in the NFL. It's not very forgiving. And so you got to coach guys up. When you have injuries, you got to be able to plug guys in and coach those guys up. And uh, Seattle, that was a good win. Division win. They beat the Niners. Uh, that division looks good, partly because that division is beating the snot out of the NFC East. But I digress. I don't even want to talk about the Sunday night football game. That set football back several years. Wentz looked terrible. But they won. So with three wins, hey, you got a chance in that division, right? All right, let's talk some football. Uh, Speaking of looking terrible, we're going to start with the Aggies. What the heck happened? San Diego State just knocked them off the ball, shoved them around, and ran for 407 yards. Yikes. 407. I mean, 200 is a big day running the ball. 300 is enormous, so I don't know what 400 is. Um, USU was close at halftime. I thought they got outplayed in the first half, but they finished one chance with a great touchdown catch as time ran out, and the Aztecs wasted two drives, settling for field goals and then not converting them. So it was uh, – and then a third one they did convert. Uh, So it was 10-7 at the half, but the Aztecs had outplayed them. And then in the second half, all the flukishness went out the window and the Aztecs ran away. Uh, Here's Gary Anderson after the game with Scotty G. And on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, it, it appeared you had a lot of momentum going into the second half, and then San Diego State just ran the ball so well. Uh, what were the Aztecs able to do there in the second half to pull away? Well, they, you know, <laughs> a 
what didn't they do to pull away yeah. would be the biggest thing. It was uh, it was a complete just physical beatdown. Um, and and when I say that that uh, I say that to everybody, myself, the coaches, strength coaches, everybody that's involved. But right now, physically, that's two weeks in a row, and there's two or three games we go to last year also. And and I'm not going to use any any. Excuse my French. I'll just hold my breath there on that one. Uh, there's no excuses for we didn't get a train. We didn't get to do this. We didn't have this. It was all this. They were, weren't with us. Yeah, that's the way it is, man. And we physically got dominated in, in the second half. And quite frankly, we got dominated the whole, the, whole, the whole game on offense. I mean, seven first downs, it's pathetic. Makes you want to puke. So as you, you you got to come back tomorrow night in a short week. What's your message to the kids to get them rallied to to get them to 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 get back out and and and, and try to get some change going on? Challenge them. Challenge the coaches. Challenge myself. Challenge the kids to come back and get in here at five o'clock. And you know you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get checked again um, and see exactly where we're going because we, you win football games when you deserve to win football games. Um, you know when, when you when you re- put yourself in the position to win physical battles and toughness and all those things that come with the game of football. It's not a real – it can look pretty sometimes, but it's not a real pretty game. And it's, it's just – that's just my opinion. And um, they'll bounce back, the ones. And if somebody can't bounce back, then don't let them door hit them in the ass when they leave. Is this where, you know, the uh, where you separate guys that can and guys can at this point? Uh, we'll keep challenging, you know, kids. We've got some young kids that are, they're, they're fighting like crazy. They're in positions that uh, we didn't really expect them to, to be in, but that's where they are, um, and that, that's okay. So they're battling, they're fighting, and, yeah, we'll we'll evaluate that tape. We'll dissect it. We'll look at it and see exactly where it goes. And, you know, we got we got six more opportunities, and that's, that's what you got. And uh, we need to take advantage of them and make sure that the guys, you know, want to be able to take advantage of them. And there's there's no excuses that are out there. And we'll fight together for six weeks, and then we'll see what happens with the world after that. You know, the, the DT touchdown catch, what an incredible effort that was. A great play. It looked like you just went, you know, sprinted into the locker room with a lot of momentum. Come out and you get the sack, the holding penalty, the sack. And I thought that that was maybe the key to the ball game was their ability to get that first first down of that third quarter. And then they were kind of off. Uh, it was, did you see it that same way? No doubt. That's a, that's a huge that's a huge play. Um that San Diego State made obviously to convert that that first down in that setting. They're going to punt into the wind, um, you know, the way they go. But you know, probably well, wouldn't have mattered. Uh, did we get a first down in the second half? I mean, I don't know if we got one or two. But so maybe it, maybe it would have mattered. Maybe it's not. But we, we got to get a we got to get a damn identity on defense and offense um, and figure out who we are and, and try to get a position to use our playmakers and then spot to where we need to be. So um, that was a huge huge momentum swing. Agreed. But, uh, you know, and then the physical battle just completely took over and they, they dominated on both sides and um, from tackling to staying in gaps to slanting into your gap. We got knocked around, pinged around, and obviously on the offensive side of the ball, we, we couldn't do anything. I mean, obviously it's a short week and I know your schedule is such where you're really unable to get any practicing in. Uh, do you feel like you have any time this week to make the adjustments you, you need to to get ready for Nevada? 
yeah, the, the time is time. We got what we got. So yeah. again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a guy sitting right here looking for a bunch of excuses. It's uh, we we'll be back in here tomorrow at five o'clock, and coaches will be in here bright and early in the morning, and. Uh, you know they they got to figure it out. That's what that's what they get paid to do. So figure it out on offense, figure it out on defense, and you know we're doing some decent things on the special team side. I think the effort is is awesome on special teams. The special teams they, they can win you games, but they're not going to win your games when you're getting dominated. So um, you know the challenge is to go back, and these kids will fight. And I talk to you on the radio just like I talk to them, and it's all of us. It's every coach and it's every player in that position, and they can handle it. The ones that can handle it, we'll handle it. And um, as coaches, we need to handle it and get back into it. And players in the same way. And we'll have a lot of time to get ready. We have the same amount of time that Nevada has, basically. So uh, that is what it is. And we'll jump back up and prepare, and away we go. And, you know, uh, see what we can get done with this team. And who wants to be here, we'll fight and, uh, and battle again, like I said, for six more weeks. I thought you, you you did call out the special teams, the block kick in the first half, the, the, the punt down to the one. Uh, you know, a couple of really great efforts. The touchdown by DT, wow, one of the best catches we've seen in a long time. So there are some individual efforts out there. If you can get some momentum off of other players just rallying around that, you got to feel that there's there's still some good things that can happen. Absolutely. There's, 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 there's always good things that can happen. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to hide from the bad things. You know, I mean, bottom line is <laughs> this is my school and it tears my soul out to stand on the sidelines and, and have Aggie Nation watch that. Um, it really does. And we need to work our fannies off to get better. And we can't sit back again and say we've, we've got excuses for this or excuses for that. Or, you know, we this is a game of toughness. It's a game of physicality. It's a game of execution. It's a game of teamwork. It's a game of preparation. All those things. And, uh, you know, right now, it's it's not happening. And it's got to it's, it's, it's gotta do more than just hurt. It's got to do more than just sting. It's not enough. Uh, it's not enough. And, you know, it's... Uh, We'll, we'll we'll keep fighting and battling, and we did. We, there are some good things, but uh, they're few and far between. All right, there's Gary Anderson after the Aggie loss. We're gonna hear from the Cougars after their win next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Well, BYU rolls again now a short week. Can't practice on Tuesday because of Election Day. Got to travel on Thursday and play Boise State on Friday. They picked up another win. They're still undefeated. Boise State put 49 points on the board with just 49 plays at Air Force. Uh, so it's 7-0 BYU against 2-0 Boise State. But before we look ahead, let's let Zach Wilson look back after the win. Then improve their record to 7-0 as they get the uh, win over Western Kentucky. Here's Zach. Zach, how do you, just thinking back now, how do you characterize your play tonight? How do you, do you feel like you did? Yeah, you know, we had a lot of still big plays, move the ball down the field well. Um, you know, credit to those guys for running a weird defense. Um, I, I don't think they thought they could do their normal defense against us. We've been explosive this year. And uh, they tried to throw some different stuff at us. So, you know, credit to them in that aspect. And, um, you know, the, the thing they gave up was a lot of big plays. And so... 
uh, you know, I think that's how we came out and countered it. We put points on the board and even though uh, statistically we probably weren't the best. And so uh, credit to them for that, but uh, still were able to put a bunch of points up. Zach, as an offense, you scored on five consecutive drives before halftime. I think it's the first time you've done that all season as a team. How important was it to to be able to finish those drives with kind of the defensive looks they were throwing at you? Yeah, super important. You know, we, we, we understand that people are going to try and do different stuff against us. I mean, we're, we're a good football team. We know that people are going to struggle just running their base stuff. You know, they feel like they have to do extra stuff. You saw Texas State last week coming out in funky formations on offense, and you see these guys tonight uh, spinning guys up, dropping guys, you know, running all over the field, covering different areas of the field, you know, to try and confuse us. And, um, you know, that's what happens. It's a, it's a credit to us, honestly. You know, they you, you can tell that they've uh, studied us and they don't think they can hang with us uh, running their base stuff. And so um, huge, huge for us to finish those drives. Uh, the way we started, the energy was, was important for us. How we could uh, start the game off with a score was huge. Um, that was exactly what we needed. Yeah, Zach, just in case we don't get to talk to you next week, I'm going to ask this tonight. What are your thoughts about facing Boise and obviously two years ago, the kind of the ending that you obviously probably didn't like? What are your thoughts and is that any motivation for you? Uh, yeah, you know, really, <clears throat> really not reflecting on the past at all. Um, we got a new team. They got a new team <clears throat> two years later. Um, but again, just a great opportunity for us. That's a great, great football team over at Boise. And, um, you know, they do well at home as well. And so uh, this is a big week, a big week for us preparation wise. Everyone's got to be dialed in. We got to get on the film and we got to take it seriously in practice because this is a, a good football team we're going to face. And um, we got to give them our best shot. And Zach, you talk about that big week. Uh, I mean, you guys are only going to have about two days to practice coming up. I mean, how are you guys going to be able to you know, navigate this and make sure you're dialed in for, for this big contest coming up next Friday? Yeah, we're an experienced team. Guys are going to be ready. You know, no matter how many days of practice, we're going to we're going to heal up, uh, take our rehab seriously, make sure everyone's healthy. And, um, you know, really for me, it's it's the film study. I know other guys are going to be like that, but the mental reps is, uh, you know, just as good, if not better than the uh, practice reps against the scout team. And so that's going to be crucial this week, <clears throat> making sure guys take that seriously and um uh, you know, really a great opportunity for us to show that we can play on a Friday, even even with a Tuesday missing. And, um, you know, we just got to be ready. Zach, you kind of touched on this right there, but with that off day on election day, NCAA mandated and everything, do you feel like there's that much more of, of kind of a, I don't want to use the word pressure, but, but just more of a reason to get a jump on next week and do what you guys can kind of in your downtime by yourselves and sort of outside of official practices, I guess? Yeah, you know, for sure. There's more of a press. You, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. You got to catch up days. Um, you have to, you know, we, we really start counting them backwards from, you know, if it's a Friday, we start, we start to say Monday is actually Tuesday. And, uh, you know, this week we might even say, we might even say that come Wednesday, you know, it's Thursday, you know, it's, it's getting to the game time already just because of, of the situation that we have. And so uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that, that we're uh, ready for this game. And, you know, I'm confident we will be. I'm not too worried about, uh, you know, the short week or, or having that Tuesday off. There's Zach Wilson. Here's Isaiah Kafusi. Isaiah, uh, first half, Western Kentucky only managed 100 total yards, six total first downs. 
what were you able to do that was effective in kind of containing them and keeping them in front of you, even when they were able to off long drives at different points? Yeah, I think we just uh, just played football. Um, D-line did a great job, I think, of just really being active. And then the linebackers doing a good job to it, just helping them, uh, um, you know, making making them right in a way. And uh, just really, I really, you know, credit to our defense. I mean, we, we you know, have stepped up and uh, made a lot of plays. Just really proud of just kind of the effort and the camaraderie that we have. And um, we're practicing really well. Not a lot of missed assignments are the, the Team IQ overall, this is like, I mean, the highest it's been. Guys understand the game. Guys understand the schemes. And so um, just really credit to our coaches for helping us with that. Along the same lines, you had a 20-play drive, and I think they ended up with a six-minute advantage in in time of possession. I I can't imagine that the defense is is very happy about some of those third and longs that were allowed. What do you look at as far as that goes, as, as far as addressing those things? Yeah, I, I think that was a big thing. Um, right at the beginning of the game, they had, you know, several third um, downs where they, you know, they had converted and, and gotten the first down. And um, we just need to get off the field. Uh, we got to do better. We got to find a way. Um, a lot of it is just technique stuff, not really the scheme or um, kind of the assignments. Guys are, are kind of locked into those, but <clears throat> the technique, um, you know, I think there was a couple of slant. There was a slant route where guys, you know, receivers are getting inside of, of some of our coverage players, and so we just got to be better, um, just at, at really getting off the field on third downs. Hey, so yeah, you're talking about how you guys need to get off the field and make these improvements, but there was one play or one drive in particular that I want to talk to you about. Early in the second half, right after Tyrell ran off for 23 <laughs> yards, they were one yard from scoring, and you guys managed to stop them. Can you talk to me just about that? Those series of plays. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, in my opinion, the best try um, series that we had as a defense. Um, got backed up, and you know the mentality of the defense was like, we're not going to let these guys score. Um, we took it as a challenge. We looked it right in the eyes, right in the face, and and we were just stepped up. I mean, guys all over the field um, making plays, and so that that was just really fun. Probably the the highlight to me of the game was just that those four downs right there at the goal line, and. Um, Man, really proud of our defense and, and just the way we stepped up and, and all around. Isaiah, do you feel like, you know, the quality of competition hasn't been the greatest, but do you, do you feel like you guys are still improving week to week against maybe some teams that aren't can't quite match you talent-wise? Absolutely, and um, and and that's really just the ultimate goal. Is we we had no control over the the talent that we were that we're facing, and so um, the the goal is just to be has been every week to get better. And, and Kalani kind of alluded to that um, that you know we're, we're gonna have a short week. We're gonna have to really you know I mean we're we're at a disadvantage, but we're gonna turn that into an advantage. Um, we have a phrase where you know we say is just training ugly, and. Um, we, we put ourselves in situations that are disadvantage, you know, just disadvantage, disadvantageous to us. And so um, we, we're, we're prepared for this, you know, and, and so we know though that, that the ultimate goal is to get better. Um, and so that's kind of the ways that we do it is just put ourselves in situations that uh, make it tougher for that. Isaiah, I know that there's been some guys on the linebacking core, safeties and, and different things dinged up a little bit. Does that put a little more on you just because the depth is diminished, has diminished just a little bit because of, of some of those things. How do you view that? 
No, we, we have guys that um, step up and, and that's, I think, kind of the beauty of, of what we have going right now is that we have guys, we, the leadership, you know, and, and everyone that kind of trickles down in the program, we're, we're all a, a special unit. I mean, this, this team is just one that I've never been a part of. Um, and just the, the depth, the guys step up, guys have made plays. Um, the, the mentality is next man up. Um, everyone prepares the same way. Everyone gets the same amount of reps. So we're constantly just preparing guys. And I think that's kind of the step that this program has taken this year is that there are guys you know, throughout the depth chart who could start, you know, and, and um, any, any single one of them could start, you know, at those positions. And so uh, I think that just goes to show just kind of where the program's at, how the coaches have now developed um, just the whole program and, and kind of what we got going. So um, not, not to worry about it. I hope, you know, those guys can just get back to us. Cause we, um, you know, obviously we don't want to just be super thin at those positions, but um, we, we have the guys. There's Isaiah Kafusi. Here's Kalani Sataki, the head coach. Yeah, just uh, really happy got the win. Um, you know, there, there's uh, obviously there's some things that we need to fix, and then some things that I wasn't uh, pleased with losing the second half. But um, uh, you know, there, there's some things that we got to. The game didn't. We didn't feel like we're weren't in control of the game. So um, we, we'll try to get things better and um, have a short week and not a lot of time with uh, Tuesday not being a. Uh, a day that we can work. Um, we'll have to do a lot of things in the next and over the weekend. Obviously, we don't do th- anything with practice on Sunday, but in regards to this game, just really happy that we got the win. Happy that our guys played well, and for the most part, we're healthy. So uh, we got some guys that are banged up, but we'll have to evaluate it in the next 24 hours and see how how uh, ready they'll be ready to, to play. But um, you know, that was a good competition with Western Kentucky. Just like the fact that our guys able to establish uh, identity right from the beginning and offensively they were on fire and got, got a lot of points on the board and helped us uh, help us get this this W and, and play you know defensively I thought we did some things that were good but uh, I'm sick of people driving it long on us and taking up the clock and and scoring points so we got to find a way to get get the score down a little bit lower we'll start with questions from uh, Nora Gonzalez Salt Lake Tribune followed by Jared Lloyd Daily Herald and Mitch Harper ASL. Hey, Coach. For some reason, I was the only one that dressed up tonight. But um, you I was great, Norma. Don't let it. I mean, <laughs> I'm disappointed that the other that the other media members didn't didn't buy into us. I expect better from all of them. So thank you for dressing up. Happy Halloween. Thank you. you. Great. I, did, I did it just for you, Coach. Um, all right. But I like it. I know you don't like to look at big picture things. I know you like to focus just game by game. But has it been able to set in that you guys are uh, off to a 7-0 start for the first time since 2001 and what that means for the program? I really haven't thought about that. You know, I'm just focused on trying to get the next the next one now, trying to improve on this game and then then focusing on getting onto Boise. And that that's a. It's going to be a, a tough one and looking forward to that matchup. But there's some things that we need to improve on and, and, and correct from this game. But, um, yeah, I, I just happy that our guys are playing well. I'm excited for the fans, but um, it doesn't really matter now. Just trying to learn from this and get to the next game. Kalani, got to ask about Zach. Maybe uh, just didn't seem as crisp as we've seen him be. And I know he's spoiled us because he's looked great in so many games and just seemed a little bit off. But what did, what did you think about his performance tonight? Yeah, he was off because he threw an interception. So yeah, that's um, 
you know, but I think for the most part, I like the way that he he ran the offense. Um, you know, I, Western Kentucky is a tough. I mean, they 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 do a lot of pressures. They do a lot of things differently, and and they're really aggressive. And so, um, you know, I think he put the ball in uh, some opportunities for our receivers to make the play, and and, and uh, it goes it goes. Um, you know, those those whether it's a. Uh, Lack of execution or, or or not efficient enough. It it's not just on one guy, and so we'll we'll, we'll look to correct it and and uh, hopefully he plays better next. But really happy with. I mean, I don't know exactly what his yards were, but yeah, he, he ran the ball pretty good too. So we'll just we'll just uh, work on on getting better, and and uh, hopefully he'll be be better in the next showing. Lonnie, do you feel like this uh, performance tonight gives you guys uh, continues to build on the momentum that you guys have built heading into Boise next week? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the first half. I think if we can play the first half and, and do that, every every uh, every half will be good. You know, I just uh, I think we had an opportunity to get some guys, get some reps, and uh, I don't know if we took in, enough advantage of, of those those reps. So, but there's a lot of teaching, a lot of learning that that can take place, and um, it's it's good to be able to do that when you and, and you follow it up. You know, having a win and being having in control of the game. So, um, just. Just thankful for the win and looking forward. I'm not really worried about momentum. I just, I'm just worried about trying to get better and, and and become a better team and have better performance next time. Lonnie, after the Houston game, you you said you guys really got better in that game. You, you saw a market improvement. Did you see the same sort of thing in this game? Yeah, I mean, there's a, so I'm being really picky, right? Because I'm disappointed in the second half. But if I'm looking at things individual, I'm looking at things position group wise, and even the phase, all three phases, there's some really good things out there. I mean, I, I'm I'm a I'm a positive guy, but I, I really believe that you can get better every week. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. There's things that we can improve on, and so I, I'm I'm looking forward to being to getting the things corrected, you know. And I think I've said the same thing um, after wins. I say the same thing after losses, and so it just uh, I feel like at moments we were we were playing at our best, and then I feel like there are times that we weren't. So, if we can get that done for sixty minutes, I really like our chances in in, in games, you know. And so, um, I think we we're getting we're getting better because we're playing football, and the more we play football, the more we get to look at different. Um, you know, there's a lot of different situations, a lot of different things that happen. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can learn from. I look at the last drive uh, from our offense, and <clears throat> you know when. We had some some snap issues and things like that. They kind of put us in a bad position. Otherwise, we would have knelt the ball out, get the first down. I believe it was second short. So there's a lot of things for coaches and players to learn from. And if you can learn from those, I, I believe you can get better. So there's a lot of times. I mean, I, I feel like going to game eight, I like where we're at right now. And I, I like the fact that we can we can learn. And, and, and there's a lot of things that happen in the game that could help us coaches and players get better. And uh, your team is mostly healthy heading into next week's game. Two guys we didn't see in the second half were Zane Anderson and Gunnar Romney. What can you tell us about those two guys? Yeah, Gunnar's fine. We just thought we, we made a decision to hold him. And, and I think uh, Zane will have to take a look at it again. And um, hopefully he'll be ready for the next game. But I, I'm, I'm hopeful about it. We'll just, we'll just see. Um, that's something that I – I got to follow up with uh, with our training room and sports medicine department, but um, it, it wasn't good to see him limp off. But you know, hopefully we'll we'll get some recovery and get some time to rehab it and see what happens when when we get to Monday. Yeah, Kalani. Tuesday, the NCAA has implemented that you guys will not be able to have any practices due to election day. You have a game on Friday night. How are you going to handle having one less day of practice already on a short week? 
Yeah, I think it's more difficult for us because we don't do anything on Sunday, you know. So uh, we, we applied for a waiver and got denied. And so, um, you know, we, we'll have to just deal with it. I mean, that's uh, I look at this as like a possible Thursday game in preparation. But I think there's a lot of things that we've done offensively, defensively and special teams wise that could help in the past seven games that can help us in this game. eight. So I think Monday is going to be a really heavy day for us. I talked to our players in, in the locker room about it and coaches that we're just going to get over this game quick, make the corrections and then um, get on to Boise when we hit Monday. And so, uh, you know, Sunday, go and, and go to church and be with our families and then get to work on Monday and then Tuesday, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have that day off and then get back to work on Wednesday and then just really be mindful of our players and where we're at. We're, we're going into game eight. Boise's going into game three. So the, there's going to be a balance of how we prep our, our guys and their legs and and the, the physical part of practices. We're going to have to be really smart about how our, our approach will be and then, and then see how we play on Friday. But I think the goal is to get to Friday mentally and physically ready. Funny, we talk a lot of offense and defense, but your special teams has been pretty solid all year. Again tonight, Jake makes both field goals thanks to the running into the kicker. But talk about that aspect of the game and just how well they've done this year. Yeah, I think the cover teams have been good, you know, and and our punter hasn't had a lot of work, and that's good. Hopefully, we keep them that way, you know. And um, I, I just I feel. Um, I can't remember on the long one, Brett. How bad did he miss it? Did he just pull it? On the, he had the distance, you know. So I mean, Jake wanted the field goal, so we gave it to him, and 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 um, just I know he got banged up a little bit, and was I mean, nothing makes your your legs feel better than kicking a field goal through the upright. So we have a lot of trust in him. He's striking the ball really well. We're snapping and holding it well, and protecting well. So you know, if we need to, I'd like to score more touchdowns and have him kick PATs. But um, just knowing that we can go to him for field goals is gives us a lot of confidence. All right, there's Kalani Sataki and his BYU star, Zach Wilson and Isaiah Kafusi after the win. When we come back, we'll shift gears and PK and Al talk some basketball and look ahead with David Locke on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time to welcome in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Patrick Kinahan. What are you doing? Lock, 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 locking on heaven's door. That's what I'm doing. Oh, I like it. (laughs) I'm going to ask you the unanswerable question. And mm-hmm. I suspect that you could take so long with the answer that PK would never get to ask a question and we would be out of time. Oh, my gosh. That'd be awesome. <laughs> PK gets oh, paid wait, for doing I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't supposed to react that quickly. Sorry. Put your feet up, PK. Here we go. Okay. Ownership changes. We've all been sports fans a long time following multiple leagues, and we have seen franchises transformed for better and worse. We've seen down franchises stay down, and we've seen up franchise, franchises stay up through a sale. Really, anything can happen. 
What do you think is going to change with the Jazz with an ownership change? No idea. <laughs> Short answer on to you, PK. <laughs> Well, I got a hundred questions, but do you want to elaborate, or do you want me to go on? With my question? Um, well, I think there's a core value and essence that the Millers have implemented over thirty plus years that I think will hold true um, for you know for a lengthy period of time, if not forever. Um, I bet you, you know, we don't know intimately what those um, ownership changes were, but I mean, I'm just. Like, let's take Dallas when Cuban took over. That seems like that, you know, was the new school owner taking over for the old school owner in a pretty dramatic fashion. And I don't know how that organization was run beforehand, but I bet there were some some core values that held for a long time. Now, Balmer taking over for Sterling's really a different circumstance, right? You've got to blow up the entire culture of what, what's been there and convince everybody it's, it's vastly different. You know, I, I think, and frankly, David, was the one who kind of reminded me of this. So I don't want to take credit for it. Our thoughts on the Millers as an ownership group are Gail and her, you know, kind of almost, you know, it felt like hands off until there was a crisis. And then this incredible settling hand that that's, you know, gave us great comfort and leadership. Um, and Larry in his last stages, which was still frankly hands on. I mean, he was pretty intimately involved in the Matt Harpering and Andre Karolinko contracts and, and things of that nature. And he, you know, was still doing an hourly radio show. So it wasn't like he was quiet, but it felt as though he was letting everyone do their work. You know, you go back and listen to the stories of the nineties and, you know, Larry's even more intimately involved, right? And he's in the locker room and he's in the line, warm up line. And he's, you know, he's handing, he's in the line of the starting lineup, giving out high fives and he's got his locker. And so I think we have to remember that owners evolve and that, you know, it's really no different than taking a new job. It just happens to be really high profile. And so Ryan Smith in 2021 and Ryan Smith in 2041 and hopefully Ryan Smith in 2051 are probably all going to be a little different. Ryan and Ashley Smith, I should say. Yeah, I think from the fan perspective, you know, they just want to win. They want to win the title. They want to go as far as you possibly can because it's fun for them. And we all know that there's a great – attachment between the jazz and the fans and they're looking at it in the immediacy what can he do to help us get better and to help us win and to go advance more into the postseason so immediately you've got a clarkson and a go bear come up with contracts and there's always going to be something every year with that stuff how do you think it plays out in the immediacy well, I mean, the New York Knicks and some others have proven that spending for the sake of spending doesn't do the job, right? The 76ers proved that last year in a pretty high-level dysfunctional flame-out. Um, the Celtics, frankly, proved that the year before. So, um, you know, I think you've got to make the right moves, and you've got to have an organizational structure that um, has people in it who you let do their jobs, and you can definitely be involved. I mean, let's be honest. If any of us bought a team for $1.6 billion, like I'm going to practice every day. <laughs> I'm going to every meeting. I'm involved in everything if I bought a team. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, I got asked the other day, you know, like who the perfect owner is, and I, you know, I answered, like, you know, maybe Peter Hall, but frankly, the Millers had the third best winning percentage in the time they owned the franchise, so maybe they deserve that credit um, as well. But, you know, this is a different game. The prices are different. The the age of the owners are different. And um, 
So, you know, I think your chance, you know, is it in the immediacy? Like, are you just going to roll out the super max contract to Rudy Gobert because you have sold your company for $8 billion? Well, that's not very smart. Like, it's the... You know, if the Supermax is the right deal to make, then it was the right deal to make with the Millers or with Ryan and Ashley Smith. And so I don't think it's the the decision-making on these. And Jordan Clarkson is, you know, either the right decision or somebody instead of Jordan Clarkson is the right decision. But they, I don't think the, the, the answers to those questions change because of ownership change. And nor were the Millers cutting corners on us. Like, like you know, hey, the Millers didn't have... NBA cash the way a lot of these owners do, right? The game's changed. Joe Sy and Steve Ballmer, and I mean these are this is different. But and sure, Ryan Smith is and you know his Qualtrics success has led he and Ashley to have money that's closer to that. How how big a money do you have to be to be a big money owner? That's an interesting concept. Set everything we know about the globe aside and just look at the 30 owners, what's high-end and low-end, accepting that on the surface it's all high-end money, right? But just in NBA circles, what is high-end and low-end money now? You know, honestly, and I'm not like saying this like as a joke, Like I don't get it because when I try to think – I actually did this exercise today. So there's, there's an interesting thing going on in MLB and NBA right now. Each league has now, if the Steve Cohen deal with the Mets goes through, each league has a owner that is so dramatically richer than any other owner in the league. So, like, you know, Ballmer's net worth is like $25 billion, I think, and, like, the next guy on the list is like $10 billion. Like, that's not close. And, frankly, when we look at the net worth of somebody at $2 billion versus $1 billion, that's not close either. Right? Like, Let's never forget that, like, when we talk about these things, we're trying to figure it out. Like, two point one billion is that one is a hundred million. <laughs> so, you know, you can look at the listings and like the Millers were, I think, like nineteenth on net worth at one point nine billion. But does that actually, you know, I don't like if the team was worth one point six, then you know, then the rest of the holdings, like, I don't know how they equate that one point nine. But, like, 1.9 is not close to 2.9. No. <laughs> a big difference financially, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like, really, like, and, and so to, I don't know how to answer your question, DJ, because I don't know where that number is that, like, it just doesn't matter anymore. And I also just don't know, you know, there's some number in there, right, where if you're over 2 or you're over 1.5, I don't know that, like, luxury tax doesn't matter. But I, I think everyone, you know, my dad once reminded me, <clears throat> don't ever forget that the, the millionaire likes his 73rd million just as much as his first. I'm going to write that down so I never forget it. My dad never told me that, PK. Did your dad ever tell you that? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true, though. That's a good point. I'm going to hold on to that. Uh, and I think the most the thing that's got me most excited is it's a local ownership. And I look back and my since I moved to Salt Lake, McCarthy's owned the Tribune when I worked there, and then others owned it. And my most favorite time of working at the Tribune is when I knew Tom McCarthy, who owned the paper. Big sports fan, interacted with him a lot. I felt like I felt a connection to Tom. Because it was his paper, but he was there, and I knew it mattered. So in turn, it mattered to me. 
and same thing in radio with Simmons and then with the Millers and now Ryan Smith. It, you know, it's, it's we're sort of going into obviously a little bit of unknown territory, but my guess is there'll be that big time connection. So again, from the fan standpoint. I think that this is the best-case scenario if the Millers have to give up or want to sell the team, which obviously they do, is that it's a local guy. Respond to that. Oh, I mean, we should be going crazy with excitement on that. I mean, I lived it, right? I lived it I lived it on the other... Everyone thinks I lived it when I was in Seattle when they sold it to Oklahoma City, but what I really lived was the person who had success in business in Seattle but didn't have any tie to Seattle on Howard Schultz, and he just quit on the city. He didn't give a crap. Right. He just quit. Like we can talk about Oklahoma City carpet bagging in and not telling the truth for two years while they're still in the franchise, but the only way that's possible is the fact that the guy who'd made millions with his coffee chain and billions probably, and his coffee chain, yeah, just completely quitting on the city because he had no tie. He didn't grow up rooting for Gus Williams, Freddie Brown, down Tom Brown, and Jack Sickman. He rooted for the Knicks. Don't forget Lonnie Shelton. Do not forget Lonnie Shelton, um, <laughs> and JJ John Johnson. Um, John's a small forward. That's right. Notoriously, like, crazy parent in high school games around Seattle, by the way. Um, So, like, that's the bit. To me, that's the real story, is that Ryan Smith is tied to, you know, whether it's Darren Williams when he was 35 or whether it was, you know, Carl. Carl Malone and John Stockton when he was younger. I don't know how old his he was when his dad took the job at BYU. Um, you know, he's that's been what he's you know that's his his deal. Th- that's different than just having success in a city uh, and then buying the franchise because you happen to live there as your as your local toy just to go to games. And it's even you know more so. Um, than the guy who comes from out of state who tests the market to see what's going on. But, I mean, you know, you could have had the Las Vegas businessman buy the team who's going to just see if it works in Utah until he decides to move it to Vegas. So, no, we should be going absolutely crazily insane about the fact that we have a marketplace that now has fostered someone to have business success at a level where they can buy an NBA franchise. I actually think that there's a – you know, if you look at the history, we've all been here for a long time. If you look at the history of the city, I actually think it kind of parallels, and the state maybe, it parallels our ownership group. So, you know, if you go to 1978, it's an out-of-state money guy taking advantage of bringing his out-of-state money into Salt Lake and kind of testing to see if the market's got enough economic viability. The next owner is a self-made Utah business person as the economy kind of grows as Western Airlines now is a hub um, evolving into Delta and suddenly Salt Lake's changing and there's enough business that people can begin to make it themselves, but it's still kind of the blue collar, like start as a parts department guy, memorize everything, move it, get the dealership in Denver, bring it to Utah story. And now we have the modern version of Silicon Slopes and this emerging tech world and us moving, you know, you know, moving toward more of the advanced business and which leads to wealth begets wealth. And, you know, I think the next stage in our economy is very similar to what happened in Seattle when I was there, which was all the Microsoft millionaires left Microsoft to go build their own little companies. And you had this just incredible tech explosion. Well, I feel like that's what's about to happen here with all the Qualtrics millionaires. Well, you know, leaving Qualtrics or going on their own to build their next 
pro- company because they have enough money, and you now have this amazing explosion. And Plural Site fits into this, and and you know Domo and the others. And we have this explosion. Ryan Smith is the first, you know, the biggest and you know biggest software deal ever in the history of the market. So, I think that it's it's kind of an evolution to where we are. It's a statement that, as a state and as a as a metroplex, that we've reached a point where we can actually have someone with enough wealth to buy an NBA team. Going to be enough wealth then to bring in another elite pro sports team, and what sport would it be? Or I'm overreaching. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. That's a great question. Um, baseball, yeah, Ray. Bob, Bob, baseball. I, I think the first question to you is wealth. I think is yes, and I think the 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 manageable one is hockey. But it's competing at the exact same time as the, as as the NBA. But the 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 issue is the issue is not what I think we're talking about of whether another pro sports team can come in. It's not whether or not we have the fan base. I think we have the population. That's clear. You know, we're, there's multiple uh, markets with less people that have professional sports teams and multiple. And it's not necessarily the individual owner with enough wealth. I think we'll have that. It's the multitude of businesses to sponsor. Right now, there are not enough corporate sponsors to support another team. And frankly, when you walk in, and look at the Utah Jazz building, you know, the Jazz are 20 sponsorships at level X that build up what this franchise is. You walk into San Francisco, it's four franchises at 10X that is making their sponsorship dollars. And you've got to have enough industry and economy and Mass that that four, those four X's are driving the game instead of twenty five or thirty sponsorships a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's that's the essence of it that you have to have that in order to have the other stuff, right? Right. You can piece it. The Jazz have done an unbelievable job if you look at the metrics of like market size versus revenue in this, and maybe the sale price shows that. You know, the sales team of the Jazz over the years has done just remarkable work to be able to piece together, you know, the credit unions and everyone else. You know, I can run our sponsors. I know them all pretty well, right? I do say them every night. Um, Whereas, you know, to really have multiple sports franchises, Chase Bank needs to be funding one of the major sponsorships. Well, you know, some other national company. We don't have massive national sponsorships in this market. And I don't think we're getting Anheuser-Busch anytime soon. (laughs) You know, the other, the other hitch, the other hitch in the, uh, and that only if refrigerated, (laughs) the the other hitch in all of that is who's going to pay for the stadiums because in some stadiums, and we just saw the, uh, the world series, right. And they played in a stadium built right next to a stadium. And the old stadium is 20 years old. It's only old. The economic model is old, but the steel and the concrete and the plastic, <laughs> that should have lasted another forty years. Right. Uh, right. So the, I mean, Atlanta, the whole, Atlanta's the Atlanta worst, right? too. Yeah, Atlanta and Dallas have both done it. Just just building new stadiums left and right. And I don't know who wants to build an arena or a stadium. There, there's no momentum uh, for the citizens to pay for it with their taxes. Uh, whereas in other cities, that just happens at the drop of a hat. Apparently. 
Well, I mean, the question would be, is it a Utah County-based team that has enough space? That's like what happened in Atlanta, right? The, they moved out of the city and mm-hmm. into one of their suburbs. I don't know. I'm just making this up. I've not thought about this. Um, Dallas, but is too. There enough, that, right. So is there enough space where, you know, somebody builds, whether it's the new hockey arena, a new baseball stadium, or a new football stadium, down in Utah County in a manner that um, – Allow you know allows that to become even a bigger deal, and they think it's worth it. I mean, there is does seem as though there's house sprawl everywhere, so no space is left. I mean, I went biking the other day and went over the backside of Corner Canyon, and out of I was at General RV and went up over the top, and I had no idea there were all those houses back there in that back cove. Like those are incredible. Those houses and the views are amazing, but I didn't even know it existed. I mean, there's just houses everywhere out there. You went over, uh, so from, from Draper, you went up kind of Corner Canyon and looked down into Utah County, and yeah, were, were blown so away biked, by the Highland Alpine area. Yeah, so I biked up over the top into, I think I, I ended up at like in Lehigh, yeah. right? So I went from Draper to Lehigh over the mountain yeah. instead of going around the point of the mountain. All the best high school football teams were right in front of your eyes there, right there. There is a lot of money and a lot of people and a lot of kids, and that's why the top four teams in the playoffs right now are all from that area you were looking at. Well, Corner Canyon, the one you went by, and then over the mountain into the you know Lone Peak and American Fork and Sky Ridge. They're all, they're all very good. Yeah. All right, and well. Lehigh, and Lehigh made the semis last year, right? Lehigh has had good teams. If you go further south, Pleasant Grove's got good teams. That area is just loaded, and there's a lot of college recruits down there, too. BYU Alpine, PK christened it, one of his better nicknames. I like it. Thank you, David. We'll leave it there. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, see you. There's David Locke. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.